All right, everyone, morning. Um, I am Josh, that's correct. Nice to see you all. Um, we are continuing our series. What I'm going to do is go straight in um, for the passage, and then we're going to talk about a few things around rest and around Sabbath. Um, I, I hope this morning is something that can speak to us individually and corporately, challenges very specifically and challenges in a bigger picture as well. So um, let me read the passage uh, for us this morning. It's from Luke chapter 6, and we're doing verses 1 to 11. It should come up on the screens. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to him, said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so. And his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. God, we ask this morning that you'll be speaking to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that your word is life, and I pray it will be life to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, the Pharisees are questioning Jesus about Sabbath. Is Sabbath party time, or is it stop the party? Maybe when we think about Sabbath, we come to think about stuff like work, rest, balance. Maybe, like me, work, rest, balance has been a challenge, especially in this last year. It's, it's a funny year to talk about work, really, isn't it? In fact, come to think of it, it's a funny year to talk about rest, relaxation, downtime. What have you been up to lately? Well, mainly Netflix, to be honest. Been anywhere nice on holiday? Oh, yeah, about that. We went to Scotland and we had to wear a mask in a field. It's a bit of a funny year to talk about rest. So what is Sabbath? The dictionary says it's this, a day of religious observance and abstinence from work, kept by Jewish people from Friday evening to Saturday evening and by most Christians on a Sunday. We read in the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, we read things like, do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery. And, and, and we think, yeah, of course, like, I'm not going to do that, that. But there is one there is one commandment that actually quite often we boast about breaking, and it's the theme of today's passage. We go, yeah, I haven't had a day off in weeks. Work's mad at the moment, barely seen the family. Maybe sometimes they're unavoidable and we don't love that, but sometimes we go, yeah, almost wear it as a badge of honor. In Genesis 2, God creates the world, and on the seventh day, yeah, he rests. He takes Sabbath. Now, God doesn't need rest. He's not tired. So why do that? 
Today, I want to unpack maybe what some of the reasons are behind why Sabbath rest is important and why it frees us rather than restricts us. God seems to be having a moment of enjoyment in Genesis 2. So our series is party time with a question mark. And I expect a lot of us have questions around Sabbath. And then today, we read this passage that I just read to us now. And the Pharisees are, Pharisees are tilting at that windmill, telling Jesus off for not having enough respect for the Sabbath, or at least seeming to do that. They seem to be giving it the respect it deserves, right? Jesus seems to be the one getting it wrong here. So how seriously should we really take it? How seriously should we really take it? Well, what we're going to discover this morning, I hope, is that Jesus is actually taking it more seriously than ever before that he is freeing Sabbath. He's helping us understand how it's meant to work. He's making it about freedom, about life, about fullness, about real, deep, spiritual rest. Taking it from what the Pharisees had reduced it to, to what it was always intended for. Taking something from religious restriction to relational freedom. And there's two things to remember here as we go into this passage as well, is that the creator is always greater than the created, and that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's here for our good, so how do we use it? It's worth mentioning as well the context of this passage. I've got quite a lot of things I want to set this up with before we go into it. I think it will help us have the right posture, have the right understanding before we come to the meat of today's passage. In Luke 4, two chapters before, one of my all-time favorite moments in scripture where Jesus goes from being the son of a carpenter to reading some words from Isaiah, dropping the mic and going, hey guys, I'm God. Okay, it's an amazing moment of scripture. I'm gonna read it to us just now. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to recover the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we go, yes, hallelujah, amen, come on Jesus, let's do this. But you have to also remember that all the interactions he's having in Luke are coming after him having done this, freedom for the captives, proclaiming the kingdom of God, something worthy of a party. But this is the backdrop to today's conversation. He's living out his mission. His conversations, his actions in this passage are all happening after this. Over the last two weeks, we've found out that we are invited to a party, that everybody is, that Jesus is the guest of honor. And we built on that last week to say that we should be people who carry Jesus. The who and the why have been answered, but now we need to look at the how. What do we do to to live that out, to make it possible? And today, we find Jesus claiming to be Lord of the Sabbath. So how? How do we go about the Sabbath? How does it look to live in the freedom won for us on the cross? And where does the world and our own postures and our own attitudes stop us from claiming the life we were always designed to live? A full life in Jesus. And where does the spiritual discipline of Sabbath come into this? Let's just pause for a minute and ask yourself the question in your own mind, what is full life to you? Where do we sit right now? here in London. Full life to the world, what is that? Why is finding a balance from work, learning to rest, so difficult? Why do we feel like maybe we're not set up to succeed in this area? Have you noticed the second question after what is your name? Anyone just think of it in your head? What do you do? Well, actually, apparently recently, Michael McIntyre said this, apparently it's now, have you had, which vaccine have you had? Moderna or AstraZeneca, but normally, normally outside of this, it is what do you do? We're not defined by our jabs, we're defined by our jobs. See what I did there? 
jabs and jobs. You're allowed to laugh. That is part of church. If you'd like to, it's up to you. We're in a culture where we are defined by what we do. The goal of life has moved maybe from in the past in general to being around family, around the family unit, to being the most important thing, to to work, to what do we do? And work is a great thing. Please hear nothing I'm saying today that it's not. Work is a great thing. It's a God thing. It's a good thing. It can bring glory to God. It's supposed to. But work can also be the thing that breaks us, the thing that we hold too highly, the thing that becomes an idol, that consumes us. It can take over everything else. For, for many people, workplaces are set up that the only way that you can be promoted is to work harder and longer hours than everybody else to prove yourself. And for some, actually having to take multiple jobs just in order to survive. And in both of those circumstances, enforced or otherwise, work becomes the center. Technology today means very often we can't escape from work day and night. Our email's coming in. And I wonder what work looks like for you at the moment. Maybe some of us are out of work and long for it. Maybe some of us are full-time with our children at home. Some of us are paid for what we do, others are volunteering. And maybe some of us, we feel like it's Groundhog Day. The same thing over and over again, nine till five with little life. For lots of us, our workplace has become one and the same with our place of rest. Working on a dining room table, in a corner of our bedroom or a random part of the corridor at home. Maybe we get to the end of the working week and go... Was that it? I'm exhausted. We get to the end of a weekend and we go, is that really all the rest that I'm going to get? Is that what life is really all about? Some of us are living to work. Some of us are working to live. Some of us are living for the weekend and some of us, quite frankly, are living on a prayer. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Work-rest balance is tough. So is work-life balance is highlighted very quickly by a few memes that I found when I was in a break from doing this sermon. And yeah, yeah, I like that one. Let's keep going. I think we have, yeah, keep, oh yeah, this one, that one made me laugh. Yeah, maybe this is how we feel. And they're funny, aren't they? But they highlight real situations and real feelings that we feel around work and life and the hecticness of it. But as we come to today's passage, it might be good to put everything I just said to the side for a minute. Put everything I just said to the side. It's there, it's in our rear view mirror, it's there probably around our thinking around this. And ask just one simple question. What is your life revolving around? Is it Jesus or something else? What is your life revolving around? Is it Jesus or something else? Let's look again at today's passage. Let's look at the posture of the Pharisees versus maybe the posture of Jesus. These are the two kind of situations happening here it's on this first sabbath and the the disciples are eating the kernels and the pharisees ask why are you doing what is unlawful on the sabbath and jesus answers them with a with a narrative from the old testament talking about when david and his friends took consecrated bread um, when they were really hungry and jesus said to them and this is the key (laughs) the son of man he's talking about himself is lord of the sabbath you see this was not actually against god's law there's 39 things that you couldn't do on Sabbath, and one of them was was reaping grain. But what the disciples were doing wasn't actually forbidden in that part of the law. It was something the Pharisees had added on, like an uber thing, an extra thing. They wanted to add levels of holiness in pursuit of a set of tick boxes that define holiness, the do's and the do do nots, if you will. And the posture of the Pharisees is to make Sabbath a box-ticking exercise with a focus on religious duty, 
designed to trip up. We know that's their aim by looking at verse seven. They were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. This wasn't about a relational thing. This was a box-ticking exercise. And Jesus seems to let need outweigh perceived religious duty in this moment. He uses a hero of the Jewish faith to make his point. He talks about David. He said, David put need over ritual. And God never condemned David for doing that in the Old Testament. We don't read in God, you know, the ramifications were X, Y, and Z. We don't read that. So actually, we can see already that the character of God is that there are things more important than religious duty, and that need here was what was most important. Jesus knows the authority he has as Lord. We see that in verse 5. So he can overrule the Pharisees here. The creator is always greater than the creations. Jesus shows grace. He is need-focused, love-focused even. The posture of Jesus here is about meeting need and bringing life. Verse 9 says... I think this is quite a key verse in this passage. I think if you were going to hook the passage around one verse, you'd probably put it around this question. I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And it's interesting, isn't it? We read that the Pharisees are saying and we go, why are you being so unreasonable? It's a bit of grain. It's, it's a poor man with a shriveled hand. Why would you even try and say, don't do this? What, what's going on here? And we go, let's do away with Sabbath. It's bonkers. We go, Jesus, step in, change it, get rid of it, do something different. But he doesn't. And that's important. Jesus comes in and he owns it. He says, this practice is mine. This spiritual discipline is mine. I am Lord of it. We keep reading through the passage. Second Sabbath comes up, verse six, on another, another Sabbath. He's teaching and he's preaching and there's a guy who, who needs healing. And they want Jesus to do that because they want to trip him up. The Pharisees would say it's unlawful to practice medicine on the Sabbath to heal. And they're aiming to trip him up. They cared about rules. They're concerned with that. It's, it's a restrictive thing. And Jesus, we read in the second half of verse 8, which should be on the screen, he doesn't mind it being public. In fact, as we go on, we can see that he's quite happy for everyone to know exactly what he is doing, that he is bringing life. We go back to that scroll drop moment from Luke 4, where we realize that Jesus is living out the mission and ministry that his father has called him to do on earth for you and for me. It's amazing. And if you put it in that context, you go, well, of course he's going to heal the things that are more important. We go on and carry on. We've read verse 9 already and carrying on in verse 10. He looked around at all of them and said, stretch out your hand. And the hand was completely restored. The Pharisees were angry. They discussed what they were going to do to Jesus. The anger stems from Jesus' claiming to be God. And we're sitting here going, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe he's God. But right then and there, they're going, this guy is claiming to be God. It's blasphemy. To claim to be Lord of the Sabbath was blasphemy. So again, why so public? If you know you're going to cause upheaval, why so public? Well, he wants to make a point. What is Sabbath good for? Is it life? Yeah. Is it good? Yeah. And he's living out his call. He's bringing freedom, healing the sick, carrying the kingdom. The posture of the Pharisees here is restrictive religious duty. It's legalism. You must live this way. It's reducing godliness to box ticking. But we do that as well. We have our own Christian must live this ways. And for us, being godly can become legalistic in some areas, and at the same time, in completely ignoring godliness in others. That's the danger of this approach. 
when it's a tick box exercise, it's really easy to justify being part good and part not so good. And the Sabbath helps us reorientate ourselves. We'll get to that later. But it can also lead to self-justification. Legalism reduces godliness from a whole life commitment to a part-time project. If you think about maybe somebody who is, I heard a story about a street pastor who said, I want an hour a week where I can go and I can preach. But after that, I really don't want anything to do with evangelism. That's, that's a picture of this. It's a picture of saying, is godliness a part-time project or a whole life commitment? Is right to serve in church, to help out, to be on the church road, to go to connect groups, to come to the prayer meeting that Jago talked about earlier. But we must not make those things the measure of godliness. The God who gave up everything at great cost to himself asks us to give up everything in return. True godliness, and this is a side point, but we're gonna stay there for a minute, does not say how much must I do, but rather how much can I give? Jesus wasn't trying to hide what he was doing. He made it a freedom thing, a life thing. Jesus picks good and life. Jesus wants to change our posture for Sabbath to bring freedom in rest. It's about life and life in all its fullness. That is party time. I think so. Freedom is the principle of rest, the gift of Sabbath, to look at it again, to not just a day to sit but one to bring real life and real meaning and real purpose, something to enjoy. It's a sign of the kingdom of heaven. It's life in all of its fullness. It's part of what Jesus won in this scroll drop moment. Sabbath sets us up to have the right attitude to godliness, to work, to how we sacrificially serve, give, rest. We're able to stop and be ordered by Jesus Christ and not Josh Mopson, or for you, insert your own name here but to be ordered by Jesus. The posture of Jesus here is to bring life. How can I save? How can I heal? So how does this help us with our approach to Sabbath ourselves? How can we have this same posture and all the benefits that come from that? I think there's two things that Jesus focuses on in this passage. I think he is restoration focused, healing and hunger. He's meeting these, bringing life, eating the kernels, the words completely restored as this man's arm is restored and he's relationship focused he meets needs he shows care he's people focused so how does this posture change our practice tomorrow sabbath should be more than a reaction to modern hecticness it's much deeper than that it can't just be in spurts i heard the analogy of getting eight one-hour sleeps versus one eight-hour sleep. There's something that you enter into in an eight-hour sleep, many of us will know, a a REM cycle, deep sleep, restorative sleep. And it's the same with Sabbath, actually a court one-hour ice cream with a child or a friend or a spouse while you're kind of mentally writing an email anyway in your head, ready to send on your phone immediately afterwards, is not the same as taking a day out to be with the people that you love. It looks different, It's, it's less restorative. So there's an issue of practicality here, but there's also an issue of identity. And there's a need for us to rest from external work, physical work, but there's also a need to let Jesus restore us from the inside. I think a lot of the time in life, we feel the need to prove ourselves. Work exacerbates that. It makes it more obvious. It it, it kind of makes you go, am I doing better than this person, that person, the other person? What Sabbath should be for is a reset. To, to rest from that need to prove yourself all of the time and say, Jesus, who do you say I am? You are my workmanship created to do good works. And you go, wow, that's true, I forgot that. 
I've just been striving and trying harder. Sabbath is about taking the moment to remind yourselves of the truths that you need to live life in all of its fullness, to stop, to hear from God, to get our okay and full satisfaction from him, to pursue deep spiritual rest. In order to be able to live with everything for Jesus, which I hope is our goal as followers of him, we need to be in a pattern of recharge. Bearing fruit only happens in healthy plants. Sabbath and rest is the way that we get that sorted. And then relationships. We have restoration focus and relationship focus. And really, it's only restorations through relationship anyway. They're kind of interchanged. They're one and the same in lots of ways. Sabbath before the law. I mentioned it earlier in Genesis 2. God rested. He didn't need to. He wasn't tired. It was part of perfect relationship. It was an enjoyment thing. He saw it and it was good and then he rested to take in his creation, to revel in it, to celebrate it, to enjoy it. Sabbath is about enjoying relationship with God and the people that he has put in your life. It's about rest with others. Enjoy others in your day off. Spend time with family and friends. Try not to look at work emails on your phone. Switch off. It's about enjoying time with God, giving him a portion of your day. If your Sabbath is Sunday, come to church. That's great. Worship God with others, just like you are now. We need to find some space, pick a day and be smart about it. Worship and rest is one of the Ten Commandments. But also, like in Genesis, it's time to make space and enjoy things. Pancakes, naps, books, turning off devices, not binging the normal Netflix shows. We look for restoration and relationship as we practice Sabbath rest. Living for Jesus in all of its fullness looks like you and me taking on the mission of Luke 4. What Jesus came to do, he now asks us to continue to the people around us in our lives and to live those things out. And I, for one, want to do that. I want to do that. I want to be somebody who can live in this freedom, be able to live with everything for Jesus. But I look at my life and I go, I'm not sure if I've got the energy. I want to be someone, when people look at my life, that they say, he does have time for you. He does have space to speak to you, to to meet need, to be a bringer of life. I can see in my own life the weeks and days and, and months where I haven't been able to do this because I've just been too tired. I haven't taken proper rest. But you see what we can do together if we're looking to Jesus first. It'll make a big change. John 10, verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. This is a discipline of freedom. Slaves didn't get Sabbath. In fact, as soon as they were released from Egypt, God said, take Sabbath, because they weren't allowed it before. We're free. We can take Sabbath. And it's a discipline of trust. For some of us, we need to actually say, God doesn't know best. No, we don't need to say that. Scrap that from the live stream. We need to say, I don't know best. God does. It's a discipline of trusting in God. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me. And we're just going to find a few ways that we can respond today. I hope that God has been speaking to you. I want to encourage us to reset our postures, to be like Jesus, to be restoration-focused and relationship-focused. Jesus does what he is set apart to do on a day that is set apart as holy. Having our identity in Jesus sets us apart from the rest of the world as well. Practice makes perfect. Read a word in our prayer meeting before, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not a guilt thing. If we go back to the way the Pharisee is doing and trip up ourselves when we don't get it perfect, this is not a guilt thing. This is a freedom thing. 
Look for support. Be accountable about Sabbath. If you know you have a busy season starting at work or you're starting a new job or you're having kids or you're going for a promotion, that's okay. It's going to be busy for a while. But be accountable to somebody in the church family who can say, hey, has it slowed down yet? Call me on it if it goes too long. That's what you want to be saying to people because we always have seasons of go, go, go. Do it in community. Draw alongside others in church. You have a similar balance to strike to you. It's, it's, a, it's an extension of the accountability. Be accountable and specific about what you're being accountable about. If you know you have a similar job to somebody else here, talk about this. The place where we work is now, for a lot of us, the place where we rest. And that completely messed with my head at the start of lockdown. I discovered a level two, my own mental health, that I hadn't discovered before. And I need some people to check in on me, to check in on that stuff, to check in on other things. I, I have that, do you? That's something to look into getting if you don't. And inject Sabbath into your day. Maybe you need to, in the first place, have fewer goals. Let's keep inviting, and this is the most important thing, keep inviting Jesus into your world. Does my work rest balance look like freedom? Is Jesus Lord of my diary, of my priorities? Jesus, I know that it's for freedom that you have set me free. Galatians 5 verse 1 says that. Help me to discover that freedom today. Sabbath is part of living in the freedom for which we are set free, living in what was won for us on the cross, freedom found in restoration and relationship. Jesus puts in boundaries to live by, that's God's word. And these boundaries are there for us to thrive, to live life to the full. And if we go down the route of putting in lots of our own rules around Sabbath, they can become our Lord's. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Look to him. So what is your life revolving around? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Can I invite you to stand and I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are Lord and we submit to you now as Lord. We thank you there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we come freely asking your Holy Spirit to convict us, to speak to us, to challenge us, and to comfort us. And I pray from all that we have heard this morning around Sabbath and around rest and around work, that right now as we respond in worship to you, that you will be speaking to us as individuals about our response to your word today. In Jesus' name.